song how great is our God the splendor of the King how great is our God sing with me how great is our God and all we see how great how great is our God will the splendor Let all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light. Oh, in darkness, tries to hide, and trembles at his voice, and trembles at his voice. How great! Our God will sing with me how great is our God. Oh, all will see how great. That's right. How great is our God? And age to age He was dead. Oh, and time is it. Beginning at the end, beginning at the end. Oh, the bride 
Christ our Lord. Oh, uniting time has come. Soon we're going home. Soon we're going home. Now is our God. Oh, sing with me. How great is our God. sing it together. Well, I can run through a troop and leap over a wall. Hallelujah. Well, hallelujah. And he's my rock and my shield. He gives power to all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, and now I'm free from condemnation. Jesus is a rock of my salvation, I can run through the truth and leap over a wall. Hallelujah, oh hallelujah, oh I can run through the truth and leap over a wall. Hallelujah, put your hands together. Hallelujah, well he's my rock and my shield, he gives power to all. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus is the rock of my 
change order of our service. We're going to take our special needs. Just before we do, we're going to sing one more song. Touching Jesus is all that really matters. Amen. Amen. We just want to reach out. Amen. And touch the hem of his garment for whatever we may go through. Amen. He has the answers. Amen. And he has the healing power that you need. Let's sing it. Touching Jesus is so Sylvester, if you would make ready to take these needs for us, amen, before the throne. Uh, I want to remember Brother Steve and Sister Sarah. They are traveling in Virginia, uh, ministering up at uh, Brother Ernest Fulcher's church, if you'd remember them in prayer. Also have a request for Brother Peter and Sister Rachel, um, if you'll remember them in prayer as well. <coughs> uh, Brother Aaron is not with us. We want to remember him in prayer this time. Uh, we miss him when he's away. Uh, it's good to have the family here with us. Amen. I uh, want to remember the Hughes family in prayer and what they're going through. Keep them in your prayers. God would bless them and comfort them in their time of need. Uh, if you would remember also Brother Jonah or little Jonah Cross. Uh, he has a surgery upcoming. 
sure what that's about, but we want to keep him in prayer. Uh, also want to remember Brother Keith Buchanan in prayer. He had to make a quick run down to Florida, uh, trying to beat the storm. Man, in his line of work and traveling and trucking. God would bless him, give him safe travels home. Amen. I have a request for Sister Shirley Buchanan to please remember her in prayer. And also Sister Danielle Swafford recovering from her surgery. If you'll please remember her. Amen. Sister Jesse Cockman as well, also recovering. That's all I have at this time. Do you have unspoken prayer requests but uplifted hands? God knows your need, friend, and we'll be praying with you. Amen. Come on, Brother Mark. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we are thankful, Lord, always when we gather together. Lord, in your house, Lord, and look forward with anticipation to your word. To serve you, to worship you, Lord, it's a... The spirit within us yearns for that, Lord, and we thank you for the opportunity where we can do that. We thank you, Lord, for your your precious uh, presence here, Lord, that we feel uh, every time, Lord, we gather together, Lord. It's it's what we yearn for, what we live for, Father. And we thank you for your sovereign grace where you come down and you come down, Lord, and honor us with your presence. Lord, when you come, Lord, there's always something good always happens, Lord. And we look forward to the, the coming of the word, Lord, and we pray that you will grant each need, Lord, these that was requested here this morning. Lord, I'm always amazed that every time we come together, Lord, there, there's many needs, Father. Because, Lord, we're a people that ought to be dependent on you, Lord, and we look to you, Father, to provide every need. Many times, Lord, that when we've exhausted all our resources, Lord, and we look to our strength, Lord, all we can muster, Lord, and we look to other men for help sometimes, and and we come to the end of the road, Lord, and there's nowhere to look, Lord. We can look up and look to you, Father, knowing that it is not a, any failure, Lord, or any uh, disappointments with you, Lord, and we can look to you and believe that you will provide because you promised in your word and you're true to your promise. So, Lord, each one of these requests, Lord, it was read this morning and on this list, Lord, you've heard them, Father. And we pray that you'll meet every need and that, you, that it was asked, Father. And like I said, this, there's no disappointments when we believe you, Lord, and that we do this morning. Lord, these times that we're facing, these uncertainty, Lord, there's many fears and doubts and uh, things of the future, Father. But always in every age, you've provided a way, Lord, for your people. You, we're not an uninformed people, Lord. And there's no, uh, we shouldn't be surprised, Lord, because I remember your prophet preached the message, Lord, mothering events made clear by prophecy. And we look and look to your word, Lord, and get all the answers we need. And we pray that we look to that this morning, that the resources that you've provided for us, Father, you've not left us like the world, Lord, just wandering around. But our eyes are open, Lord, our understanding are enlightened. And we thank you for that. Bless the service this morning and your servant, Lord, that brings the word. And we pray that you will, every one of us will be attentive, Lord, to what has been said. And or any hindrance, Lord, will be moved out of the way and that we will benefit, Lord, and reap this morning what you have for us, Father. We thank you, Lord, and we pray and ask these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
Brother Mark. You can have your seats. Didn't mean to keep you standing so long there. My apologies. Amen. I think Brother John Conkman has a special for us this morning. He'd uh, be making ready. Uh, and also Sister uh, Lily and Emma and Brother Mitchell have a special I heard. Is that correct, Mitchell? Let's sing a song as Brother John's getting prepared there. I give myself away. Sister Becky was playing that. It sounded so nice. Amen. I give myself away. Oh, I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. Away. I 
Good to be with you this morning. On the way down this morning, my daughter Morgan was counting. She thought she could count all the way to the top of the numbers. And uh, (laughs) Jennifer is trying to describe to her that there's no way to do that. Every time you get to the highest number you can think of, there's always one number that's a little bit higher. And uh, and I got to thinking that's like the love of God, you know. And uh, you just just can't add to it. It, it, There's no end to it. And so um, I love this song so much. This was the song has a beautiful story to it. Um, In the 11th century, there was a um, there was a rabbi in Germany, a Jewish rabbi. This is during a time of great persecution of the Jews in Germany. Uh, by Pope Urban II, is right leading up to the First Crusade, and um, during this persecution, he wrote this uh, acrostic poem, and it's still recited during the uh, the Feast of Weeks, by what we what we call Pentecost, every year. And part of this poem goes, um, uh, <clears throat> "Where the sky is parchment, and um, where every reed a quill." And where the ocean's filled with ink, and where every man a scribe, still the grandeur of our Creator could not be contained. And um, the reason we know it is because in the early 19th century, these words are found written in English. It's an Aramaic acrostic poem, but written in English on the walls of an insane asylum. And it was kind of passed around, it was preached at a sermon in a camp meeting. And it was heard by a songwriter named uh, Frederick Lehman. And he was so impressed by it, he went home and he, um, he wrote two verses to go along with it. And uh, his daughter, Claudia, wrote the music to it. And I love this so much. It's called The Love of God. You sing along with me if you want to. I'll go ahead and let the, let the music come up so you can sing along the love of God. Let's put it in A. And if you would play along with me as well. The love of God is greater far than tongue or peace could ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God sent his son to His erring child, he reconciled and pardoned from his sin. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure the saints and angels. 
Amen. Thank you, Brother John. Beautiful song. Amen. The love of God. It's a mighty thing. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to have our pastor come at this time. Why don't we sing that little song together? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Amen. His strength is perfect. Hallelujah. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But sometimes I wonder what He can do through me. No great success to show. No glory of my own Yes, He is there to let me Second verse again. We can only know the power that we hold. When we truly see how deep our weakness goes, His strength in us begins when our comes to an end. Our humble cry 
Precious Lord, we invite you now to come, Lord, and speak to our hearts. Only the Holy Spirit can speak to our hearts. There are many, many voices that we hear, and they all come from the outside. But when you speak to us, Lord, you speak for the inside. And I pray, dear God, that you would speak to the inner man today. And Father, we just love you today with all of our hearts. It's such a wonderful atmosphere and such a level of faith, Lord. And I, I just ask and pray now that you would just move right in, Lord, and may you just take the word of life and place, place it in every heart and encourage us for the times we live in. Lord Jesus, we commit every person who has a need today to you. Thanking you, Lord Jesus, for your deliverance and thank you for your healing virtue. Lord, minister to each and every soul today, we pray, that's listening. And Father, may you encourage and discourage and give strength to the weak. We just want to say, Lord Jesus, that we are so grateful we have a place to turn to ask forgiveness. And Lord, knowing that our weaknesses and our sins are many, Lord, we just invite you now to look at us through the blood of Christ. And Lord, may you be free to bless and minister to every soul. We love you and we thank you, Lord, for this gathering together. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. You can be seated just for a moment here. Welcome all of you to the house of the Lord. It'll be fine, musicians. Thank you. And uh, we appreciate the opportunity to be here and to be able to gather in his presence. How many of you are glad you're in church today? Amen. Amen. Sister Tracy, good to have you. Good to have the Knobloch's today. And uh, good to have uh, all of you. Good to have uh, the Stevenses back in-house again. Good to have Brother Aaron here, uh, each and every one. Sister Caitlin, God bless you. Good to have you with us today. And uh, for each and every one. I didn't see the Pascals on the request list, so I figured, well, I wrote them down, but we're glad to have them here. We'd rather have you there than on here. So it's good good to have you with us. Um, just a very uh, few announcements here this morning that I wanted to bring to you. Uh, August 3rd is Amanda Bilton's birthday, and the 4th is the Bilton's anniversary. So we wish them all the best. August the 5th is Josh Godwin's birthday. Uh, Brother Josh, God bless you. August 6th is Sister Liddy Ivy's birthday. Uh, God bless you, Sister Liddy. August 7th is Sister Tracy's birthday. God bless you, Sister Tracy. That's right, isn't it? Sorry. It is right. August 8th is Ethan and Anna Pritchard's uh, anniversary. They're out here. Uh, God bless them on their anniversary. We shipped $10,000 worth of U.S. Bibles for distribution in East Africa. And here's the first picture. And I thought that was really neat. Um, they are going far and wide. They're going to be scattered around uh, in, in East Africa and Swahili-speaking areas. And uh, Brother Elias promised to send me some pictures. It is freezing over there. I told him this morning, I texted him early, and I said, uh, we have a WhatsApp thing. And I told him, I said, I, I'd love to be there, love to be there. Do anything to get out of this heat and get over there in the snow. It would be great. And he said, are you coming? He said, we'll, we'll make arrangements for you, you know, to be there. I haven't had any visitors for a while. And I said, no, nope, can't, can't come right at the moment here. But uh, uh, as soon as it's possible and... The Lord allows, and uh, we'd love to go back over there. But uh, they're just uh, excited to be able to get their Bibles. These are new converts in the church. 
And so it's really great to be able to see them have their own Bible and be able to enjoy that. I uh, wanted to thank you for praying for my sister. She's uh, doing well. She's recovering from surgery, still uh, in, the, in that recovery process, but uh, doing much better. And uh, she was really touched that our church would uh, hold her up in prayer and make an issue of, of uh, her sickness, and, and she was very thankful for that. Uh, we have uh, Vicki and Terry Tidwell, who some of you know are, are in hospital, uh, went back in hospital last night because of the virus, and they both have um, some serious things that are going on, so we want to remember them in prayer. Brother Howard Carroll, who was the pastor in Manchester, Tennessee, for years and years and years, uh, he was uh, in hospital, but he's at home now, recovering, and uh, doing some better. Sister Carroll also had... Uh, the virus as well. She was asymptomatic, uh, and, sh- and she's at home as well. So we want to remember them in prayer. They had a real outbreak in a church over there, and uh, Brother Daryl Ward happened to be visiting over there at the same time, and it was just a, an unfortunate chain of events there. So we want to remember those saints in prayer, as well as our sister churches around the area. Some of them are open, some of them are not. Uh, because of the continuing problems that we have. So I tell everyone that we are open by the grace of God, and I believe by the diligence of the congregation. And I just want to say that I know that several of you have been tested. There are some who are listening today who are being tested. And appreciate just that attitude of staying home and staying uh, self-quarantined while that's going on. And uh, it's, um, I, I think that's the reason that we're still able to stay open, and uh, we appreciate that very much. Uh, the efforts on the part of the congregation to work together and to try to, uh, you know, keep things open and uh, keep things as separate as possible. So that makes a uh, makes a big difference. So may the Lord bless you all and may the Lord protect us and have mercy upon us. Let's stand on our feet this morning. Let's jump right into the scripture and uh, we'll look here this morning in Jeremiah, chapter nine. <coughs> Brother Caleb Homover is on his way. Uh, He's traveling from uh, Connecticut. He was there for the last couple of weeks for uh, some time off, and he's on his way back. He had to help a friend move, and he's coming up from Raleigh this morning, and he wasn't able to make it uh, in time for the service. And uh, so we miss Brother Caleb. He's been away for a couple of weeks, and actually he's been away for several weeks. also, as well, Brother Keith is traveling today, and I probably got mentioned in the prayer request, but he's heading to Florida. And for two reasons, we need to pray for Brother Keith, that Florida is not a great place to go today. And uh, it's also in, right in the path of a hurricane. And so we want to remember Brother Keith. He's hoping to, told me he was going to make a quick stop and do a very fast turnaround and get back uh, on safer ground again. It's Jeremiah chapter 9. I'm really after a a phrase here this morning. Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, and that I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. May God add his blessing. You may be seated this morning. (coughs) 
there are two things that all believers, born-again believers, have in common. There are things that are, are on the plate for all of us and things that we all have. Whether you feel it or not, there are definitely two things that we all have in common. Number one is the capacity that God has loosed within you to hear the voice of God in your day. Now, you may not think that God speaks to you, but you know what? You're here. And you're here not because, uh, you know, you like our song service or our pews. You're here more so because the Holy Spirit, who takes control of our lives, has led us to the tree of life so that we can continue to hear the word of the hour so that we can have the right faith built so we can have our bodies changed so we can go back to the place that we belong. Don't tell me God's not leading you. Don't, Don't tell me that God is not speaking to you. I believe that he is. And the capacity to hear the voice of God is built into every born-again believer. And it comes alive when that quickening power strikes a human soul. And uh, there's life all of a sudden begins and it begins to express itself. And that's a very, very important thing and a very, very, uh, very, uh, um, a very essential thing for every one of us to have. The capacity to hear the voice of God. And the second thing is that, uh, as, as good as it is to be able to hear the voice of God, I think a second thing that we all have in common is a sensitivity to the cause of Christ for our day. The sensitivity to hear the word of the, uh, word of the hour for our day so that you stay in tune and stay in tep, step with exactly what God is doing in, a, in the particular hour you're living in. So it... it you can have a, an appreciation, you can have a sensitivity to uh, the things that God has done, the, the historical perspective uh, of the Scripture. But it's another thing to be able to move with the Spirit of God as He moves. And that's what God wanted the children of Israel to do back in the, in the uh, early days of their journey, uh, was when the, they, were, they were to watch certain things, and when the cloud moved, they were to move with it. When the cloud stayed still, they were to stay still. They were, they were practiced in keeping in step with the, with the movement of God in that particular hour, right? They were, they were practiced in that. Every day, they were, their movements were guided by a supernatural element that the world really didn't care anything about. And so they were guided by that. A believer has that, and even though you may not get up in the morning and pray for that, God's actually built that into every one of our hearts so that we can stay in tune with what God has for us in a particular hour. Now, I, I, I want to I want to just preamble a little bit here this morning and just say a couple of things here as we uh, as we look at this uh, idea here and I've titled this righteous assurance and I want to pick up from where we were last week when we talked about at the end of the service Sunday morning and how that uh, from the point we are at which is not typical of all the other ages because through the ages they went through cycles and seasons whereby they, uh, they had a word for their day, they had a messenger for their day, and then uh, there was uh, you know, a passing of that messenger, and then uh, they, we had another messenger that came. There was another season or another era. Our situation is different because we don't have any other messengers that are going to come on the scene, right? We don't have any other ages that are going to come. I don't believe we have hundreds of years that lay ahead of us uh, for the bride of Christ to, to travel on. How many would agree? I believe I'm preaching to the people whose bodies will be changed. And if that's the case, then, we, have, we are heading into an area that nobody has walked before. 
We are moving into a, a realm that nobody has, has walked before. We are going to actually take that realm. We're going to take that kingdom by faith. And we're going to walk through that door without death. And all of it is unseen. The entire journey for the people of God, I believe, from here out, is unseen to the naked eye. It's undetectable by the natural senses. There's nothing that you have within your body, the physical capabilities you have within your body, that's going to be able to see or identify or touch that kingdom before you step into it. We're going to get there by faith, taking a step of faith. Now, um, in, in saying that, we, we, we certainly, uh, we're more comfortable when we have uh, assurances of what lays ahead. We're, we're always more comfortable because we're, we're a people who, we're used to living by our senses, right? We're used to living by things that are, uh, things that are visible or things that are tangible. Uh, when, we, when we're going to an area, we like to be able to read the road signs and say, you're 10 miles from this particular place, or you're, this is the exit. You know, if you, uh, you see the exits now are very plain. The billboards are very plain. McDonald's, exit now! And, uh, you know, it, it, there's, no, there's no guesswork. We like that. We like that. Uh, we're, we're doing a renovation in our house where we had a water leak. The water leak was in a little tiny pipe, and it popped a hole in there, and uh, whatever, and for whatever reason, wore its way through there, and water came down through the ceiling and so forth. So they had to take all this, everything out of our basement, and it's all out, and uh, all the way. We're down to bare concrete on the bottom. So we've been working on that this week, and it's been, well, for the last month, from the end of June. And uh, it's, it's been a, a, you know, it's been an upset. There are good upsets and bad upsets. I'd have to say this is a good upset. It's just that it's unexpected. So we're working on that. I'm dealing with State Farm, who is our insurer, and uh, they're very busy. Apparently, there's lots of other people who have catastrophes, and they're very busy, so they don't always respond very quickly. And uh, I, was trying to, uh, I was trying to arrange supplies to come to match the contractor's schedule so that we can have everything that we need in place. And... Uh, in order to get the flooring, for instance, which is the biggest purchase, the stuff that they're going to put on the vinyl, they're going to put on the floor, in order to get that, we had to order it at a certain time. And I still hadn't had the confirmation back from State Farm that, yes, you can go ahead and order all this stuff as they have to approve everything and all the, the administrative stuff you have to do, right? We all we all been down this road. We know how it, go, how it works. But because they haven't responded to me yet, I had to make a decision. Uh, do I go ahead and order this in order to match the schedule because it's going to take a week or so to get there? Uh, or do I wait until their approval? And that's a bit of a question because it costs thousands of dollars to get this stuff. And I had to pay a down payment, a half of it, to, to, get, uh, to get this stuff all on the road. So, uh, you know, I did everything I could. I emailed, I called, I called our local agent, called everybody to try to make the, the, the proper... Uh, acknowledgments and make sure that this was okay to do because uh, once we did it, we pulled the trigger. That was it. And uh, if we, if they, all of a sudden, State Farm said, "Oh no, we're not, we're not going to approve your claim. You know, you don't have any insurance for that particular thing." Then, you know what? Someone's holding the ball, right? Then we'll have a church dinner up there. Not really. Although, if you want to come and help out, it's certainly great to do that. But. I had to make a decision and say, well, we're going to go forward based on 
uh, based on the preliminary, uh, you know, things that are in the contract. They're, they're, they, you know, with the, with the homeowner policy, I'm going to go ahead and make the decision to, to go forward with that and trust that all the rest of those pieces are going to follow. So you're making a, in, in this natural sense now, you're making a decision blind. You're making a decision without really knowing for sure, are they going to stand by that? Is it actually going to work? And are they going to back their, their promises to me in the insurance uh, contract? Is it, is it, are they actually going to come through? And, and that's, the, that's the lurking question that I have as to whether it's actually going to happen. Now, I think it will, and that's why I went ahead and ordered it. But there's this question about, all right, we're moving into an area here where I'm actually investing. I'm spending. I'm, I'm moving out into this area here, and I want to know, are you going to meet me there when I get there? Are you going to, are, is, is there going to be some support when I get out here? Not there yet, but is there going to be some support when I get out there? And I was thinking about that this week as I was, you know, just contemplating this whole subject here, that from, from where we are until our bodies are changed and we take our place at the wedding supper, we have nothing really in this world that's going to help us or encourage us to make those steps of faith to get there. How many would agree? I mean, the world is consumed with everything but the right thing. If you like, we can say it this way. We're listening to FM, they're listening to AM. And, and we're all, we're, everybody's, everybody's wanting the right information. Everybody's, everybody's trying to get in tune with the right thing to know what the future holds and to know what's best and to make the right decisions. No matter what realm you're in, whether it's the political realm, whether you're a businessman and you're trying to invest and grow your business or whatever else. But I will tell you what, the Bride of Christ, over the last so many years, we may have thought that nothing was really happening, but God was really teaching us God was really motivating us to be listening to the right channel at the right time and get used to listening to that when the world was off listening to something different. And so the world does not have information to give us. As a matter of fact, uh, they're, they're, on a different, they're on a different channel altogether. They're on a different frequency altogether. And, and no matter how much they move the dial back and forth, and they can do all kinds of religious things moving the dial back and forth. They can do all kinds of, uh, you know, biblical things even moving back and forth. But there is one people in the earth that are listening to the right frequency who have a sensitivity to the voice of God in this hour. And that's the bride of Christ. And we believe, and I'm here this morning to encourage you to believe that, we have the assurance that even though we're making investments in the future, that the contract will not break down. He will stand by his word. And what he tells us to go forward to is the right thing. And he'll meet us at the right point in the journey. How many believe that? He'll not fail us. He'll not come along and say, oh, well, uh, you know, the message wasn't right. He's not going to do that. I believe the message is right. I believe it's going to get us there. Now, let's, let's, uh, let's just develop this a little bit. We, we, we read in our text here, let me, sorry, let me just go back here to our text. And in this little passage here, Jeremiah uh, cautions us. And he says, let him that glorieth glory in this that he understandeth. And knoweth me that I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness and judgment and righteousness in the earth. Let a man rejoice in the fact that he has understanding and that he has a personal knowledge 
of, of Jesus Christ. Let him rejoice in that. Now I want to take that word understand and we want to, we want to look at it a little bit and develop it here as we move along. In Daniel chapter 12, the prophecy says, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed and sealed till the time of the end. And many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. Now knowledge will increase in the last day, right? We'll have knowledge, but we'll have understanding. The understanding is, is exclusive to the bride of Christ or to the people of God. But there are other things to be known. It's just that the knowledge of this is not the same as the knowledge of this. And the knowledge of this will never get you where the understanding of this will get you. Are we okay? There can be two things going on at the same time. There can be darkness and there can be light in darkness. There can be knowledge of things and there can be a true understanding. I want to have spiritual understanding. I want to have true understanding. And that's what the Bible talks about. Now, Brother Manham says this. He says, God wants all of us, like an insurance policy, when you get an insurance policy, you might as well get full coverage. That's what this blessed assurance does for us. It's full coverage policy. It's a full coverage policy. It covers all we have need of, watch, in this life and our resurrection, and eternal life, it includes everything. I think that's really good. Now, I, I know that when I was speaking about our natural uh, how, homeowner's policy, uh, I'm, I'm hoping that it works. I mean, I'm hoping they cover everything. I'm hoping that they'll, they'll honor the commitments I've already made. I, I'm, I'm hoping that. But I don't have, I, what I'm waiting for is a word from them that, you know, hey, it's okay, go ahead, press on. Go forward. That's what I'm hoping for. Brother Random is here telling us you've got the assurance. You've got God's word. There's none of this that's going to fail. How many can say amen to that? There's none of this going to fail. It's going to cover you. It's a full coverage policy that covers you here in life and in the resurrection. If you go down by way of the grave or if you come to the time of the change of our bodies or all the way right through out into that eternal realm, it includes everything. Glory to God. Therefore, no matter where you are, no matter what you do, no matter what life hands you, you're covered. We're covered. We're all right. Some of you are smiling, and that's a good response. That's the right response, by the way. We're covered. We got this. It's blessed assurance. It's divine assurance that is going to work. Brother Manum again says, if you look at your affliction, you'll never go any further. But if you look at the promise of God, you've got to write to every redemptive blessing that God promised in His Word. It's yours. The Christian always looks at the unseen things. The Christian always looks at unseen things. Every redemptive blessing of God is unseen. And here's the whole armor of, of the Christian is love and faith and, and long-suffering and goodness and meekness and gentleness and patience. It's all unseen forces that works in the heart of a believer. And we look at things that we do not see. If we're the children of Abraham, then we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. Abraham was a good example of somebody who was given a promise. Nothing in his body, nothing in his senses reflected the truth of that promise. But it was true nonetheless. There was nothing in nature that reflected the truth of that promise. But it was true anyway. Are you with me? There was nothing they felt that reflected the truth of that promise. But it was true nonetheless. It came to pass. 
And God had promised Abraham and Sarah that they were going to have a child. And God brought it to pass and made it happen there. And Abraham believed it and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. God deposited righteousness into his account. And Brother Branham is telling us categorically that a Christian always looks at unseen things. We may not have anything in the natural world that declares the truth of the promise, but the promise is true anyway. We defy logic. We look at the world in, in its face and we say that despite what everybody says and despite the, uh, you know, the remedies that the world will offer, we look at it and say, sorry, we're covered. We've already got a policy that covers everything. We're good. It's going to work. God's word's going to work. <clears throat> I'm not going to trade that for anything. I'm not going to leave that for anything. We've got everything that we need to have in order to get us to where we need to go. Take your Bible for a minute. Let's go, just go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 Corinthians. I know that much. Very, very familiar passage of Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Very familiar. And the reason it's very familiar is because it's very good. It makes a lot of sense, and that's why it's so familiar. We refer back to it. It's like our safe place. It's like your cabin in the woods. It's like your place on the mountain that you like to go to when you want to get away. Right? That's what these verses are. They're familiar because they're great, because they're common, because they're safe, and we know that they're true. Now, watch what he says in verse 9, 1 Corinthians 2, 9. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. So there's a channel in which God operates. It's the FM channel. There's an AM channel, but there's an FM channel. And the Spirit of God guides his people to the right place to get the right things for the right hour. And that's what he's telling us here, that you'll not find that. You'll be spinning the dial, going on the AM channel all the time, trying to find out what you, know, what you need to know in order to you know, govern things in your life and regulate things in your life. God's got another channel. And when he opens up that channel to you, let me tell you, there's a, there's a direct kind of a on-purpose communication that God has with these people that gives them the thing that they have need of in the hour they're living in. And it is intended for you to get to where you need to go. So, for instance, you know, in the, in, in the first exodus, if you like, they were moving laterally from one nation to another one. God was physically getting them from a place to another place. And when we find in the second exodus, comparatively, we find that God had them. He didn't necessarily move anyone out of their city or town or house. He didn't move anybody physically. But he moved them from a natural faith to a spiritual faith. Right? He moved them from the Jewish faith where they had, you know, the sprinkling of blood and offerings and, you know, goats and, and lambs and everything else. And they moved them from that to justification by faith in Christ. Are we okay? And now, now we're moving from this place to another kingdom. It's, it's, it's a movement. It's the ending of something, the beginning of something else. And it's always going to consequentially bring something very different than what we had before. Because Israel was very different than Egypt. And Christianity was very different than Jewry. That kingdom is going to be very different than this kingdom. 
The only way you're going to make it is have somebody guide you to that unseen world. Because you can't see it. If you could see it, you wouldn't need faith to get there. But because it's unseen, you need somebody who, number one, knows where it is and knows what it looks like. They can identify it to lead you there. Right? So this is what Paul is telling us right here. The, the things of the Spirit of God knoweth no man, but the, thing, but the Spirit of God does. He does know those things. And 12, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God. In other words, we haven't received access to the AM channel. We've received access to the FM channel so that what? We might know the things that are freely given to us of God. In which things, we, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but that which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. He's on another channel. He's on the AM band. For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. How can you receive the illumination unless the illuminator comes to you to give you the illumination you need? All right, take your Bible. Let's go to Second Chronicles chapter 20. Second Chronicles chapter 20. This is one of the best prayers you'll find in all of the Bible. I love it. It's one that I've, I've referred to many, and it's uh, also one of my safe places as well. Second Chronicles chapter 20. It's a place that you go to when you don't have anywhere else to turn. You've exhausted your resources. Hey, listen, if you want to hear the sermon this morning, you listen to Brother Mark pray. Brother Mark prayed almost word for word, and he's going to use a portion of this prayer this morning in his prayer. Uh, it, it was pretty supernatural. You may not have noticed, but I did. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 6. This is when Jehoshaphat is in power, and he is invaded by Moab, not doing anything, not doing anything wrong. But he's done all the right things, and this is where, uh, you know, the, the lying spirit came down, got in the mouth of all the prophets when Micah was there and so forth. And then Ju- uh, Judah's invaded by Moab, and this great army comes up by En Gedi, and they come up into uh, this, this uh, portion of Israel. And Jehoshaphat, verse 3, feared. That's an understatement. When you're a small nation, you've got a great army already on your borders and in your land, then the, then the thing you do is fear. You're, you're concerned about that. And then the second thing you do is found in verse 3 as well. He set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim to fast throughout all Judah. It's always, it's always correct to turn to God, and it's no problem turning to God in desperation. And this is a good thing to do. And Judah gathered them, themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even all the cities of Judah, uh, they came to seek the Lord. Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? Watch the prayer now. The prayer is, is, is absolutely tremendous. And think about this, about yourself in the situation that you're living in. You may have a problem or you may have uh, you know, enemies. You may have disagreements you can't solve. You may have financial problems you can't sort out. I don't know. Uh, you may have a, a virus that you're trying to avoid. You may have circumstances in your life where, you know, things are not so stable. I don't know. It, it, we, we know this, that the, the, the problems that we have are common to man. There are, there are many things that we deal with, and you're not the first person to have this. And, and so this, this prayer, to me, is one of those... Uh, 
all coverage policies. I'm not sure how you'd say that. Full coverage policies where it covers just about anything that you can be faced with. But I need you to also think about this, that even though you may have individual concerns here uh, in your life, we all together have this one concern that looms over us, and that is we've got to get out of here. Nowhere in the message or in the Bible do I find us being commissioned to arm ourselves and fight against everything that exists in our world today. We're not reformers. We're not here to try to sort it all out, you know, to run for office, to raise our children to be, you know, uh, Christian government members or whatever else. Listen, our focus is on getting out of here, not trying to reform the current situation. So we got to get out of here. We got to get to a place where we got to, we got to, we got to traverse. We got to, we got to move from this world to that world and we got to do it going around the graveyard. Right? We we got to we got to get there without going through the graveyard. We got to we got another way. God's got another way. I'm here to tell you this morning that if I knew that way, I wouldn't hesitate to say, "Let's cut the service short. Let's go now." I'd be willing to go now. I have nothing really that's holding me here uh, that's worth staying and not going to that kingdom. I'd rather go now. How many would would go with me? Except the teenagers, they want to get married, you know, and they think, well, everything, you know, life begins when you get married and everything else. And they're kind of looking, do I have to go? Well, no, you don't. Because I'm only being, I'm only sermonizing. All right? Now, if I could go, if I could go, I would go. If I knew the way, I would take you the way. I'm here today, honestly, to tell you, I don't know, I don't know what tomorrow holds. I really don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know, I don't know how long the journey is from here to the marriage supper, it could be a week, it could be longer. I really don't know. I'm as reliant upon him as you are. I am as vulnerable to all of this that lays in the future as you are. My only difference is that I'm called to an office whereby God's wired me to hear certain things for you. God will illuminate scriptures in my heart that I just can't wait to get here to tell you about. As a matter of fact, he makes them so real to me, I get a little jealous or upset when another minister tackles the same scripture. I honestly do. I think, that's mine. Hey, hey, buddy. Here's Brother Mike on on Wednesday night talking about, you know, man made in the image of God. I was all ready to get my Bible and say, hey, hey, hey. But you know what? God has a way of making it all come together so well and 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 he'll add pieces to that he'll he'll put brush strokes on that painting that i i'd not even thought about and i it was wonderful and i enjoyed it but you know what i'm saying this there are things that god because of the way i'm wired the things that god gives me that i don't give my family even coming down the road or coming coming to church i don't tell tell them hey listen today we're going to be going over and we're going to be talking about the subject of understanding and we're going to be talking about the unseen world they get it just as fresh as you do and uh, I, I, just, I just enjoy coming. I hate that we can't do more together like we used to do. I, I hate that we can't, you know, go from here and have a, a, a dinner and be able to fellowship more and all of that. So I've got to, we've got to try to get everything in we can here at least and then to communicate as best we can. But I will tell you something. that Our fellowship, as good as it is, and, and our, our camaraderie, as good as it is, and I love that. I love the, the fellowship and the bonds that we built over the years. I, I'm beginning to see that what's most important 
is not necessarily that. That's not most important. That's good. And it's helpful for us to be able to get together and enjoy one another's company. I mean, we've never had these folks at a church dinner. You've not, you're, you're not in the message until you've had a church dinner at HBT. You know, you know what I'm saying? The, 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 I miss that. I don't know about you, but I miss that. I, I, I enjoy that. I enjoy that fellowship. But I will tell you something. I believe that the Lord is, if, if nothing else, I believe the Lord is illuminating an understanding in my heart that I can give to you that will get us where we need to go. And that's what's most important. That really is what's most important. And so when you're, when you're dependent on Him entirely, when you're, when you're totally vulnerable in the sense that if I could go, I would. If I could find a way, I would. But I, I don't know the way. I'm, I'm totally dependent on Him. Then you pray this way. This is the thing we all have in common. Look, our church may not stand. I mean, it might get turned into a warehouse or a bottled water uh, storage facility. Who knows? We really don't know what the future holds because things can change very quickly. I do know this, that if we pray this way, it will be a help to you in learning how to navigate towards that future. Here we go. Everybody should, should read it if you have your Bible. i got some of it on the screen right here. This is the prayer that uh, Joseph had prayed. He stood in the middle of the congregation and he said, Lord... God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? And rulest thou over the kingdoms of the heathen? And in, the, in, the land, in thine hand is there not power and might so that none is able to withstand it? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Art not thou our God who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel and gavest it to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever? And they dwell therein, and they have built a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, If, when evil cometh upon us, as the sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, or virus, or whatever else that strikes the land, we stand before this house, and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and we cry unto thee, in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. You notice what he's doing. He's not doing anything that the senses can declare. He's holding on to the promise. He's falling back on the assurance that God's given to him because he knows that God dealt with Abraham, gave Abraham the land, and the land is for you and your seed forever, and thy seed shall possess the gates of your enemies. We don't see how, though. We don't see how this is going to come to pass. Verse 10. And now behold the children of Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir, whom thou wouldst not let Israel invade when they come out of the land of Egypt, but they turn from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say, how they reward us to come and cast us out of thy possession, which thou hast given us to inherit. O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know what we are to do, but our eyes are upon CNN. Your eyes have got to be in the right place. Your eye, you've got to be looking at the right thing. You had to be looking at the right resource here. And this is what uh, Jehoshaphat says here, that we, we have nowhere else to turn. We don't have any strength against this or that. There's, I mean, there's a lot of problems we have we can't solve ourselves. But we do know a God who does, who is more than able, who has all resources that are needed, and our eyes are upon you. Lord, we stand here in your presence. 
We're not trying to outguess you. We're not trying to take the ball out of your hands. We're not trying to, uh, we're not trying to figure this out of our own accord or our own resources here. Our eyes are upon you. And I believe that if nothing else, God has trained us over the last 25, 30 years or more and trained us since Brother Branham went off the scene to, to keep our eyes on the right thing, to keep our eyes on the right source and to be looking to the right one who can guide us because he knows the way. And he reveals his word in season. And you've been wired, you've been built, you've been ordained to be able to catch the word in season and be sensitive to that voice and follow that leading. That's why you're here, and that's what will get you out of here. Are we okay? That's all I wanted to do today was encourage you to, uh, to think about that. That I have assurance because I'm one of his. I have an assurance because of his righteousness and because, uh, you know, the, the plan of salvation has brought me back into harmony with God. And back in harmony with God, I'm not listening to AM anymore, I'm listening to FM. And if I'm listening to FM, I'm hearing the right voice say the right things that builds the right faith, that gives me confidence that no matter whether I can see it or not, I know I'm going in the right way. And I know that when I step out by faith every day, He's going to be with me, because He said He'd never leave me nor forsake me. There's no doubt about it. There's absolutely no doubt about it. So, our, our, our... Our challenge is simply to keep your eyes upon him. And that's what he says. We we have nothing else. We don't know what to do. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what you know what's right, what's not. Um we just don't know. I mean, we don't know if we're gonna have a job next week. Right? We we don't know. We don't know what, what the government will do out of desperation. Because as much as you feel desperation. There are some people around who feel a lot more desperation for different reasons altogether, different motive, have different motives, different reasons, whether it's re-election or whether it's financial power or whether it's control or whatever else. There's a lot of people who feel desperate because there's things happening in the world they have absolutely no control over. And as a result, they use the resources they have, they've been put, that they have in their hand, whether it's armies or money or, uh, you know, the media or whatever else. They'll use those resources to keep or to maintain uh, or to regain that position of preeminence or power. They'll use it. Dictators will use brute strength very often in order to, uh, in order to, to regain their position of strength when, it, when you know, they have a... Uh, when they see that uh, power and that position eroding away. And many, many times, like I know with the, I know with the Catholic Church that I came out of, they, they rule on the basis of fear. You always had this feeling that you were hanging over hell by a thread. And if you didn't get it quite right all the time, you know what? Uh, that thread just might break and you might fall into the abyss. That's the way it was. I mean, you couldn't die with mortal soul on your sin. You couldn't die with mortal sin on your soul. Uh, you couldn't, if, if you died with mortal sin on your soul, you were a candidate for hell. If you died with venial sins on your soul, then you went to purgatory. And, you know, there was always this question about, well, you know, I mean, I mean, I, hey, I was a sinner. And, I, you know, I, I came very close to the mortal sin category. And I, I, I thought about that a lot. You know, I thought about, hey, you know, I mean, it was, but it was all based on fear. I had no revelation of what was right and what was not. It was all the fear they projected, and that was the thing that concerned me. 
It doesn't concern me anymore. And I remember the day when I was freed of that fear. It's a great feeling to be freed of fear. And I walked away from that and had absolutely no concern about the fact that I just turned my back on the Catholic Church. And every one of them could say what they want to. But I was free, and I really felt like the sun had set me free. And there was no going back to that at all. There was no feeling really like that. And I would tell you what, to this day, I don't feel like I need to make the grade in order for me to make it into heaven. I believe he made the grade for me and handed me the benefits of his sacrifice. So I became a beneficiary of the blood of Jesus Christ and came back in harmony with God. Now, let's go a little bit further. At the same time where there can be light, there's darkness as well, right? And that's one of the characteristics of the end time. We find it over in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 that Paul warns us in his talk about the end time that one of the things that would invade the world, that would blanket the world, is strong delusion that that the people of the world might believe a lie. It's not that they're not listening. It's not that they're not wanting to believe. But they're listening to the wrong band. They're listening to AM. And they're not listening to the right band. And so therefore, this is not something that Satan sends, although Satan will capitalize on, because the Bible says that God sends them strong delusion that they would believe a lie. Now the delusion is a, is a powerful word here. And it means, uh, it's the Greek word plane, which means a straying about or leading somebody astray from the right way. So when you have somebody who's delusional, they will, uh, you know, they will, they will stray to an area that's not right, and they will be willing to lead other people away with them. And they have no qualms about that because they think they're in the right way. They're very difficult people to help because they always believe they're in the right place. And they roam thither and thither and it, it's, metaphorically, it's a mental strain. There are three examples right here. Uh, error meaning a wrong opinion relative to morals or religion. I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna deal with this where, um, and, I, and I don't want to get into it this morning here because of time. But the idea of, uh, marriage today and family and how family's being redesigned. The whole, the whole definition of what a family is now can mean a whole bunch of things, right? It can mean two men and children. It can mean a single parent and, and children. You know, it can mean all kinds of things uh, today because they have chosen to define family the way that they feel is, is appropriate for the times we live in. That's not new. What I'm learning is that that's not new. There's been, an, there's been attempts uh, to redefine family for a long, long time. Intellectuals from Plato excuse me, all the way down to our modern times, have attempted to uh, define family on the basis of not biology, but by contract. To make families and parent and child relationships contractual instead of just biological. I mean, now they're even taking biology away from children, right? Because they don't want to have children declare their sex or their gender. And, and they don't want you to give them gender-specific toys because it might interfere with their choice of their gender. How stupid. Let me tell you, that's not new. The practice of it is new. 
It's not, I mean, my mother would roll over in her grave if, 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 I mean, you know. Bio, uh, biological relationships have been the foundation of family since the beginning. And the issue is, is that there were people, there were enough people around who respected the Bible and the moral order of things to prevent any of this from making it anywhere near the halls of government so that laws would be enacted to protect this new, new you know, perception, this, this, this uh, perception that they want to practice. And, and that's, what, that's what delusional really is. And this is what Paul is, is it's a very strong word. It means that you can have the entirely wrong understanding of something, the wrong interpretation of things relative to morals or religion. There are people who are in uh, seminaries and people who are in religious circles who are saying, we've got to get rid of the Bible in this post, uh, post-scriptural world that we live in. We have to get rid of it because that's outdated. They're, they're teaching that now. And I can, I can quote it for you. I cop, photocopied the article out of a book that I have, very excellent book. And, and they were saying that you know, this has worked for us for you know, years, but we really do have to move beyond it. And moving beyond it means that we're, we're not going to define a family as just a bunch of people who are born together through biology and, and through human relationship. That's not what a family is. We need to, all parents need to contract with their children because after all, the, the greater parent is the state. And statism is not a new idea. That's what Hitler wanted to have, right? Sons of a nation. The Aryan nation. They wanted to have sons of a nation that would, you know, become a perfect army and a perfect people and so forth and to procreate and have that. But let me tell you, they were not interested in building families. They were interested in preserving power. And this idea of statism when it comes to family is not that far-fetched. And there are people today that actually promote and, and you know, they, they're encouraging this whole agenda here. I will tell you something. It's a misunderstanding. It's not the understanding of God. It is a delusion that people have. Secondly, Paul writes that it is an error which shows itself in action, a wrong mode of acting. So Ephesians 5, verse 3 there, refers how that Paul said that fornication and all uncleanness should not be named once among you as become its saints. The reason that Paul says that is because the errors like that, they, if they're not dealt with or preached against correctly, they go from thoughts to actions. And whether it's a thought or whether it's an action, it's still wrong. It's a misunderstanding of the right thing. Right? And young people are under a delusion if they feel like they can be sexually active before they're married and have no consequences for that. Are we okay? This is a serious thing. And then, of course, an error which leads into error, deceit and fraud. So, you know, David uh, gets involved with Bathsheba, and then in order to, to deal with that, he has Uriah killed and, and, and so on. And he's under this delusion that, you know what, we've hidden it from God. He died in battle, so nobody will know. And when Nathan the prophet shows up, David says, hey, how are you doing? How are things? High five around the, around the throne. 
He's under a delusion. And the delusion, when a person believes something long enough and they begin to act on it, you know what? Uh, it becomes, it becomes a, obviously a, something that's more manifest, but something that's more damaging the farther it goes. Because error begets error, Brother Branham says. <clears throat> so you remember Brother Branham talking about sighting in a gun. And he says when, that, when you shoot that bullet and that gun goes off, the bullet's off just a little bit. At, at, the, at, the, at the mouth of the barrel, it's only off just a fractional amount. But, you know, a quarter mile down the road, it's way off. But the error didn't start a quarter mile down the road. The error started back up here. It's still error. Are we okay? It's still a misfire. It's still a bad shot. But it, it's manifest way out there. But it, it's still a bad shot right from the origin. That's why, that's why making sure that the wrong teaching doesn't get in is very important. That's what pastors do. They're shepherds over the flock and they're guardians over the pulpit here because no matter who it is, when anybody stands here, they have an authority. You respect that authority because we're taught to respect the authority of the pulpit and the preaching and the handling of the word and so forth. We have to know them that labor among you. And we had to be very careful about that. I'm very careful about that. I I'm, I'm, I'm tend to be on the conservative side uh, uh, for that. That's why none of you sisters have preached yet. Because you can, you can get the ball rolling, and it may seem like an innocent small thing at the beginning, but you know what? If it's wrong, it's still wrong. So this idea of, of having the understanding is a great thing. So Brother Ram says we have the blessed assurance that someday these vile bodies will be changed and made like unto his own glorious body, whereby he's able to subdue all things unto himself. We, we can trace this, and I, we won't take a lot of time to comment on it. Matthew 27, Command, therefore, that the sepulchers, sepulcher be made sure until the third day. This is the Roman government now looking out for the tomb of Jesus to make sure nobody gets in there and takes that body out. Lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say unto the people, he's risen from the dead. And so the last delusion, same word, shall be worse than the first. So they're trying to protect their understanding of things. And their understanding of things is wrong in the first place. But they're trying to make sure that the right, the truth actually doesn't get out. And they're calling the truth there. You see how mixed up it is? But they're not doing this because they think they're wrong. They're doing this because they think they're right. And they don't want to have this new error now be worse than the first one here. So we've got to guard the tomb and make sure nobody opens up the tomb and gets the body of Jesus out. We've got to, you know, make sure that it's all. And then when, it, then when the body of Jesus came out and the rock was rolled away, they said, well, the only thing left to do is lie. So they went to court and lied about the fact that the disciples came. You, know, you understand what I'm saying? Error begets error, and it just, it just cascades down the hill. Let's go on a little bit further. Brother Bram says, in God of this evil age. And he takes this scripture, Second Thessalonians, there as a, as a core text there. Now this man of sin would come into existence and set in the temple of God, showing himself that he was God, caused the people to go into strong delusions to believe a lie, be damned by it. You say, is that true? Well, I mean, he got a lot of people to believe in the Trinity, and that wasn't true. He got a lot of people to believe what happened in the Garden of Eden, that wasn't true. He's got a lot of people believing that God didn't send a prophet in the last day, and that was true. Huh. So he is actually pretty good at what he does. That's the same thing he did to Eve. He never told her the word wasn't right, but he gave her a strong delusion that she believed a lie. And the spirit of delusion is of the devil. The devil's now working in the children of disobedience. Disobedience to what? Like Eve was at the beginning. 
with the Word of God. That's the thing that Satan always will try to pull people away from is the Word of God. As I said to you in the beginning, the thing that God's given us a course in, not a crash course, but He's given us a course all the years that we've been in the message, all the years that we've served the Lord. He's given us this message over and repetitively. He said over and over. He's reinforced it through a prophet over and over again that we have to always lean upon the Word. We go back to the Word. It's what the Word says. It's not what Brother Branham says. It's what the Word says. Are we okay? It's not what Brother Barry says. It's what the Word says. It's not what everybody's teaching. It's what the Word says. That's what matters. Because outside of that, there's delusion on every side. Outside of that, there's deception. Outside of that, Satan's aggressive in trying to get people to believe all kinds of theories and all kinds of... Th- in other words, like, like has been said, to pull your thinking down into a level that we're not supposed to be on. We're supposed to be listening to FM, and he's trying to pull us down to AM. And now in AM, there's all kinds of religious ideas, all kinds of conspiracies. There's all kinds of, uh, uh, you know, cloudiness there. There's all kinds of uh, deception that's there. I mean, there's people there, in, uh, according to Matthew 7, there's people there saying to Jesus, Hey, Lord, Lord, haven't we done mighty works and performed many miracles? And haven't we done all kinds of things? Ephesians 4, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of man, and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. 1 John 4, in the bottom of the screen, we are of God, and he that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So this understanding then, and this is what I want to highlight here, this uh, understanding on the bottom. We understand the word discernment, but on the bottom it says that it's the faculty of judging and determining reason in the narrow sense as the capacity for spiritual truth, the higher powers of the soul, the faculty of perceiving divine things, of recognizing goodness and of hating evil. I've told you many times before, my mother-in-law's testimony, when she, she was a Christian all of her life, good Pentecostal girl all of her life, most of her life, converted when she was 17 or 18 years old, and followed the Pentecostal teaching for years and years. She said when she came across the message and heard Brother Branham teach, she said everything she heard was contrary to anything she ever believed, but she believed it anyway. Because God wires a believer to have understanding. And when you have understanding, you have the capacity to hear spiritual truth and evaluate that as the truth. The faculty of perceiving divine things, recognizing goodness and of hating evil, and the power of considering and judging soberly, calmly, and impartially. My goodness, to be able to judge soberly, calmly, and impartially today in our world? To be able, do you, let me ask you this. Do you know of anybody who's judging soberly, calmly, impartially today? I mean, even, even crazy, silly things like wearing a mask, they've made it political, and you're this side or you're that side, where people are getting shot or beat up, or even when you go into Walmart, they have a professional counselor there to handle the people who disagree and don't want to go into the store with, with a mask on. They have professional counselors hired to deal with people who resist the person at the door who's standing there going click, 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 click. And they say, you've got to wear a mask if you're going to come in the store. Click, click, click. And if they, if they get belligerent or violent, they have professional counselors who are hired to deal with that person so the person with the clicker doesn't get shot. Hello? 
There's nothing calm, sober, impartial in our world today. I mean, it's, it's, it, the thing is upside down. So where do you go to complain? Where do you go for answers? Where do you go for solutions in, in a world that's falling apart? This world does not have them, folks. This world does not have the solutions. Your universities don't have the solutions. There's only one place to go for the solution. Deuteronomy chapter 4. Now therefore hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and the judgments which I teach you, for to do them that ye may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord our God, our fathers, shall give to you. I know that when I read that that fast, you're, kinda, you're still coming over to Deuteronomy chapter 4, right? You're still, you know, going like this. Let me look at the, let's look at the principle that he gives in verse 1. This is the children of Israel moving into the land. Watch what he says. Hearken, O Israel, hearken or incline is the bending of the ear. I've mentioned that to you before. David says, Lord, incline thine ear to my prayer of your, the prayer of your servant. It means that we, we, when we really want somebody to say it again or, or we're listening clearly, we'll go like this. Hearken means that. Hearken unto the statutes and the judgments which I teach you for to do them that ye may live and go in and possess the land that the Lord, Lord God of your fathers giveth unto you. Your, your objective is that land. Your ability, your success in reaching that land and possessing that land depends on what's coming from God that is correct, and you're able to judge that as coming from God, and obeying that and walking in it. Are we okay? I, 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 I mean, I'm making the assumption here today that you've all heard that this message comes from God. You believe that. You're willing to walk in that and do that. I'm telling you, that's the way in. Or that's the way out of here into the next kingdom that we're moving into. How many would agree? You shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall you diminish aught from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did because of Belpeor, for all the men that followed Belpeor, the Lord had destroyed them from among you. There is a limit to how much God will take. And there is a limit in this world as to how much God will take, even under grace. But ye did cleave, ye that did cleave unto the Lord your God, are alive every one this day. Cleave, ye that cleaved unto the Lord. Are, are, in other words, you're hanging on and you're not letting go? No, it's even more than that. It is the process. Uh, there's plywood, I'm sure, here. In, yeah, there's plywood. This pulpit's made out of plywood. Plywood is several very thin sheets of, of wood that in themselves would be very fragile. You could break them. Uh, you, you know, you could, uh, you could smash through them, no problem. When they make plywood, they take a thin sheet and they take a second sheet and put it this way with the grain is running this way instead of this way, and they'll glue it. And then they'll take another sheet that's this way, running that way, another sheet the grain is going that way, another sheet is going that way, depending on the thickness, and they'll put glue in between all of it, and they'll clamp it. They'll clamp it until it's absolutely become one. You can't see, uh, you know, you can't see the glue or anything else. It just, it's absorbed in there, and it's, it's a pretty stout piece of wood. The thing about plywood, and the thing that makes it valuable, is that you can't take it apart. You can't separate those layers once they're pressed together and they, that glue dries. When that, when that squeezing process is completed, you cannot take that piece apart without destroying the whole thing. It does not come apart. It acts like one thing. 
this is the idea. This is the Hebrew word that, that uh, Moses is using right here. He says, you remember what they did at Baal Peor. But he says, ye that did cleave unto the Lord. Ye that are, it's not just you hanging on for dear life. It's you are so pressed that you cannot separate you from God. Without destroying the whole thing. And you can't destroy the whole thing. But it's so intertwined. It's so become one that there's no separating it. Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgment, even as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do so in the land where you go to possess it. Keep therefore and do them. This is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations, which you shall which hear all these statutes and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. The reason for their success is not because they have bigger brains. It's not because they have more schooling. The reason for the success of the people of God and the reason for your peace and the reason for your contentment and the reason for your calm in the time of storm and the reason for your civility among one another is not because you have a bigger brain or a better school. It's because you have followed the commandments of the Lord and God has breathed upon that. God blesses that and that's your wisdom and your understanding. That's the thing that you need to get you from here to where you're going. It opens up the way and lets you know there is a destiny, but it also shows you the path along the road to that destiny. Are we okay? It's the destiny and the instructions for the destiny. It is everything you have need of from here to there. And, and there's, there's no question about that. And this is what God told the children of Israel. You're given, you're given these commandments and statutes over here. Moses didn't even make it to the promised land. So he didn't teach them anything in the promised land. They were taught before they got there. So when they got, when they got there, they would actually live the word that Moses had already taught them. Isn't it true in the same way? To, let me tell you, we're not going to have Brother Branham taking the pulpit over there to teach us things that he's taught us over here. He's already taught us over here the things that we need up. We're going to apply that, live that out without resistance in that world. We do it with resistance in this world. We'll do it without resistance in that world. How many can say amen? <clears throat> when the super sense, Brother Bram said, is the Holy Spirit, the faith of God that dwells in you, and if you let the five senses be yielded to the sixth, it'll guide you and bring you all the other five senses under control of that super sense. For it's so far above the natural sense, as the spiritual man is above the natural, as FM is above AM, I don't know whether it is or not, I don't know if that makes, even makes sense. It's as far as the heavens, as, it's as far and as high as the heavens is above the natural man and his five senses. It makes you believe things you can't see. There's something that's reserved for the people of God that's on another level that the world doesn't see anything about. And when you tap into that, and the Holy Spirit gets a hold of that in your heart, it'll make you believe things you can't see. And that's what this is all about. It makes you act where you do not think the five senses would ever think about. The devil cannot get into those five senses and lie to you. The devil can get into those five senses and lie to you. But he cannot touch that super sense that's far beyond his reach that come from God. It's called faith. It'll make you act where you do not think five senses would ever think about it. It'll, in other words, 
You'd be willing to forsake all to gain that. I'm willing to lose this to gain that. Nature teaches us to hold on to what we have. Nature tells us not to let go. But what he's saying is that if a man can let go of the natural senses and and be guided by the sixth, it'll actually take you to where your senses don't even think about. So we're, we're talking about another level here. We're talking about the world here and strong delusion that operates on this level here. And then another level that God has actually opened up for us. It's not going to be open, folks. It's open. It's open. Can you say amen? The way is open. The access to that way depends on faith and how much you lean upon that sixth sense. And he's saying the devil can, can get into those five senses and he can lie to you, which is what he did to Eve. It was all about feeling and feeling good and what looked good and all the rest of that. I mean, that's what he worked on. He, he was trying to bring her down to that level and worked on her in that way. But when you're living in that realm... Of, and Brother Lonnie Jenkins used to call it living, in that, living out of that third man, living out of that inner man. That is actually a, a part of God. It's a gene of God. And living out of that realm, he says the devil cannot get in there. If, if there's a place where I can live that the devil can't get, I'm all for it. Let's do it. Let's go there. And, 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 and this is not, this is, we're not talking about the millennium. We're not talking about another, another place. We're talking about here on this earth, in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, where we can block out the senses and what seems logical and sensible and feels good to us, and block that out and live in that place, live in, that, live in the spirit of Christ. The devil can't get there? I think we should talk more about this. You're not in the mood this morning to talk about this. I can tell. But I, I think it's worth talking about anyway. Because I think it's where we're going. And I think the enemy would like to do whatever he can to dull our senses to the things that really count. That's his job, isn't it? But I will tell you something. that whatever The devil doesn't want to lose the hold he has over your senses and how he's made us feel like what we feel, what we see, and what we touch, and what we smell is really important to you. And after all, how can you live in a world that you can't even see? I mean, in a sense, it gets silly even talking about it, because Satan is such a master at doing this, at, 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 at using those senses to, to, to bring you back to the place that you're used to barricading yourself, if you like. We're not willing, in a sense, to let things go. But he cannot touch that super sense. And if that's the place that the Holy Spirit's trying to bring us to, then you know what? We should preach that. We should talk about that. Because it's a, it's a, a place that's higher than the place we live on a normal, a normal day-to-day level. It's far beyond his reach. That comes from God. In other words, in the same way that God carved out a place for Israel called Goshen, that was not, it was in Egypt, but it was not in Egypt. I believe that God's carved out a place for us that's called a sixth sense that is not this world, but it's in this world. It's a place where God's people can dwell with his presence and not be affected by everything that goes on. Even though it exists in the world, they were not affected by the things that went on unless God allowed it. Right? The last plague, the plague of the token, and, and the, you know, the blood on the doorpost. That applied to everybody who was in the land of Egypt. We're still here. 
You know what? We're still here. And we gotta live, we gotta dwell here, we gotta, we gotta, you know, live life, and we gotta interact with the world and all the rest of it, and everybody's connected to everything that happens in the world, everywhere, all the time, and that's just the way that it is. But let me tell you something. I believe the Holy Spirit wants us. I believe He truly, genuinely wants us to tap into that sixth sense world where Satan can't get to. Because in there he can commune with you in a better way than just on the basis of what you feel. I believe that's what he would I believe that that's what he would want us to do is to be able to have rest in that world. <clears throat> Life is the healer, and we're gonna stop here. Brother Bram says, Nature tells me I'm gonna go there to the grave. But God told me he'd bring me out. Nature tells me I'm gonna go there. Logic tells me I'm gonna go there. My senses tell me I'm gonna go there. But God told me I'm, he's going to bring me out. Now, for the bride of Christ in the last day, nature tells us that if we live long enough, we're going to go that way. But God told us he'd either change our bodies, but if we go down by way of the grave, we'll come out of that grave. One or the other. Nate, I mean, it's inevitable. No matter how good a person you are, nature tells me I'm going to get there. Right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna eventually meet up with the specter of death. I'm, I'm gonna experience that one way or the other. What, however way it comes, that's what's gonna happen. Unless God cuts us short and we're, our bodies are changed. I trust that we don't have to do any more funerals, uh, at all. And God told me He'd bring me out. So no matter where I am in the whole scheme of things, that's the promise that I have. And I want the assurance of coming out, that big dark channel that's set before each one of us. Every time our heart beats, we go one step closer to that big dark place called death. But when I come to the end of my journey, my heart's stopping to beat. I don't want to be a coward. I want to wrap myself in the robes of His righteousness, knowing that I know Him and the power of His resurrection, and knowing that when He calls from among the dead, I'll come out. That's the main thing. That's the assurance that we want to have tonight, that blessed assurance that's based on His righteousness, not mine. We have our musicians come. I, I, I almost daily, I, I, I communicate with Brother Ron Spencer, you know, going through the, the treatments that he's going through and, the, and the, uh, the tests that he does and the treatments that he does and the chemotherapy and all the rest of it. And uh, he describes it to me and he tells me about it. And, and uh, a little while ago he was talking about how they went to the cancer doctor. And uh, every time he shows up, you know, they're like, whoa, <laughs> we made the appointment, but we weren't sure you were going to make it. You know, I mean, they literally didn't think he was going to live this long to keep making appointments. And he keeps making appointments. He keeps coming back. And uh, he, he said that now because of the, the treatment that they've been giving him, he said the, the cancer cells are actually coming out through his skin. They're actually coming out that way. He's shedding those cancer cells that are coming out because he had melanoma and that's the, uh, that's the issue. And uh, he said, you know, they're, they're changing the, the medications and so forth. He said, uh, he said I, I just feel like uh, I've got enough people praying for me. And he said, I have enough promises that he said, I, I just take every day as it comes. He said, I'm just trusting God for, uh, for my future because every day is literally in his hands. Every day is literally, literally in his hands. And let me tell you something. Nature tells us that we're all going to go that way. But for the people of God, we have promises. We have, we have something in an unseen world, something the world doesn't see at all. we got a, a realm. And I'd like to introduce you to that realm in this little series that we're doing here. I'd like to introduce you to that realm and invite you to tap into that realm. 
get into that realm. Even if you get in a little while, uh, you know, through the week and through your devotions or whatever else. Or when you come to church and just say, Lord, bring me into that realm where Satan can't get to. And let my thoughts just be, uh, it, let me, let me, we would like you just to blanket our thoughts with your thoughts. And let your mind just invade that place. And let me just rest in that place. And let me just bring all my cares and burdens and lay them in that place. And let me just leave them in that place. Let me do that, Lord. Because I believe that I have a promise. Whether I go by way of the death, you're going to call me out. Whether I live long enough, you're going to change my body. I'm a winner either way. I cannot lose. There's absolutely no way I can displease you because you know the future. And there's no way I can lose because you hold my future. And so therefore, I believe I'm on that winning side. And Lord, let that, let that slop out and flow back over into this life, the life I live in these old senses here. And let me live that on a day-to-day basis here and let people see it in my face and let me, let me uh, reflect that in the way I conduct my business and the way I live and the way I uh, act and treat other people. Lord, let that. This is not just for eternity. This is not just for new heavens and new earth. This is not just for the millennium. This is for now as well. I believe these promises are for now. I believe the character of Christ is for now. I believe the victory on our lips is for now. Let's stand to our feet. There's an army rising up. There's an army rising up. Oh, there's an army. Singing now together. Oh, there's a power in the name of Jesus. Break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Sing it again now. Oh, there's an army that's rising up. There's an army. Sing it now. There's a power in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. There's a power in the name of Jesus. Break it. I'm walking with the king. Let's sing it in the key of C, I think it is. Hallelujah. I'm walking with the king. Praise his holy name. Yes, I'm walking with the king. Hallelujah. 
He is here. Let's pray together. Whatever need that you have, I believe that 
Holy Spirit is never shocked. He's never surprised. He's always, always got the best solution. Let's sing it together one time. He is place, Lord, that, that place that you have created, Lord, that we can rest in, that we can come to, Lord. I believe it's not just the knowledge of that place, but Lord, I believe it's an understanding of the principles and the commandments that you have given to us, and Lord, to live them, this is, this is our wisdom. This is something you delight in, Lord. And let a man... Like our text said in Jeremiah, Lord, let a man not rest in his wealth or his knowledge or anything like that. But let him, let him rest in this thing, that he understands and knows his God. And Lord, for us to be able to have a place that we can turn to in a world, Lord, that has no safe places, it has no peace. But for us to be able to turn and rest in the arms of the Prince of Peace is a great thing. And Lord, I just ask that you would just, as a congregation, Lord, that you would lead us. Because you have led us together, Lord, and for some reason brought us together. And now I pray, Lord, that we as a, a people, Lord, individually, but Lord, as a, a people, that we would just find rest and peace in your arms. Father, we just commit the needs of your people to you. And knowing, Lord, that as long as we're in these bodies, as long as we're moving to that dimension. There are struggles that we will face. Weaknesses that we feel. Old age that never seems to let up. Sicknesses that surround us. Lord, I just know that you're a God who is able and you've made promises to us. We claim those today. May our faith improve. May our faith increase. May our faith grow to where, Lord, we can more readily and more easily rest upon what you've said. We love you and we thank you, Lord, for your provision. We thank you, Lord, for this place. Thank you, Lord, for being able to stay open during these difficult times. We pray, Lord, not only for our own assembly, but for our sister churches around and, Lord, for the many believers that are struggling today. We commit them to you. 
Have your way, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, for your glory, we ask these things. I cast all my cares upon you, and I lay all of my burdens down at your feet, any time I don't God bless you. I cast all my